You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. We're so glad you're with us today. So on this episode, I got to sit down with Jenna Kraft and Aaron Chester, who together teach our How to Study the Bible class at Clear Creek. We talked about why we need to learn a method for studying the Bible and what some of it looks like as we walk through the book of Revelation. Hope you guys all find this conversation helpful. Well, all right. Welcome back to the Clear Creek Resources podcast, both of you. Because yeah. you've both been on before, right? But not together. Nah. Correct. Right. Yes. Yeah. But you teach how to study the Bible together. Correct. For how long now? Uh, it's been a couple of years. We've probably taught maybe four or five times. Yeah. yeah. Taught it once for students. Yeah. Yeah. So. so I teach a couple of classes here too. And so I like all the classes, but... One thing that I hear a lot and that I agree with is that how to study the Bible is the most important class that we offer here at Clear Creek. So do you agree? I think maybe you do. <laughs> Probably a little biased, right? I mean, if Yancey said it, then it's got to be true. Yeah, so. and he does say yeah. it. So yeah. why is that, though? Why is how to study the Bible the most important class that we teach? Yeah, so let me, I'll qualify that just because we do offer a lot of great classes. And I think at any point in someone's journey, um, there could be a more important class if they're working on their marriage, re-engaged. Yeah, or if that's helpful. Gone through a difficult time. Grief share is going to be maybe the most important thing. But the reason we would say it's the most important class is because the Bible plays such a significant and foundational and role in how we understand God mm-hmm. and His will and His purposes, uh, which directly correlate to our purpose and existence. So. Um, if God's word plays that vital of a role in understanding our faith, then, then we have to know how to read that book. Um, and so really understanding the guidelines uh, mm-hmm. of, of how he's communicated to us in his word um, is essential. And so we think it is the most important for that reason. Well, it's interesting. So we did some traveling over the holidays and I was in a car with an Uber driver And I started talking to him and he told me, um, he's like, honestly, I don't even like the word Christian. He's like, I don't even really like that word. And he said, um, he's like, I'm kind of intrigued by the teachings of Jesus, but he said, I don't even really like the word Christian. Or he's like, I don't even really like the Bible. And he said, um, 10 different people can read it with 10 different interpretations. So he's like, how could we ever trust it? Mm -hmm. You know? And so he said, I consider myself to be a more spiritual person, but I'm not really interested in the Bible. And I, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, this is literally <laughs> yeah. the class that I teach, yeah. you know? And so like in these like five minutes that I get with the Uber driver, you know, um, you did you teach right the whole class? class? <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> like, I have my notes somewhere. Where's my notes? Um, but it, uh, it just like, it showed me like this, it's so real. It's such a real, it's such an important question yeah. for us in the church, but it, it matters for people, you know, it could be a barrier for people even wanting to consider coming to church or considering Christianity. And, uh, I mean, because I do, it, it's true. Like, if you take something out of context, you can make it mean anything you want it mm-hmm. to mean, you know? Um, and I think it can cause a lot of confusion, a lot of doubt, a lot of struggles, but but not that maybe not necessary, you know, if we're maybe tethering our faith or our perception of God, our perception of Christianity, our perception of who Jesus is to something that's that's not even true. You know, I feel like this class, it can just be very clarifying, right? Mm, like it can yeah. say, um, no, we don't believe that either. You know, like we, we wouldn't necessarily say that about Jesus either. So I feel like this class can just bring a lot of clarity where there's confusion. 
Yeah, and, and that's why we teach a method. Yeah. Uh, we want to take certain steps in a certain order because we're looking for a certain result. And the result we're looking for when we study the Bible is what is God's uh, original message through the author of that particular book to the original audience? And so that that's really the... Um, the framework, the guideline that we have to go by, because like you said, otherwise it, it can end up meaning a lot of things mm-hmm. and even turning people off because uh, the Bible is a book, big book uh, with well, that's lots a, of words. That's a huge deal because I think that, um, so you're talking about someone who's outside of the church mm-hmm. and that's sort of their problem with Christianity. Right. Yeah. And so that's part of it. And right. another problem is someone within the church who thinks this is God's word to me, which mm. is how you started saying, this is God's word. This is how I know who he is and right. what my purpose is in life and all these things. So that means I can open it up and just read. Yeah. And, and t- if we say that that's not how it works, it, Sometimes people think, oh, that may, you're making it harder on me, right. but we're actually, kind of like Jenna said, it's, it's actually simplifying uh, how we receive that truth. Mm-hmm. And, and I think actually a lot of times people get discouraged because they want to read the Bible. They, mm-hmm. they come to church, they hear uh, a great sermon, which happens uh, all the time on Sundays uh, at our church, and they think, wow, I'm inspired by God's Word. And so they go home and to read it, but, but they don't realize that our pastors are actually you know, using the method that we're teaching in this class when they prepare their sermons, which allows us to to connect with that original message and audience and meaning first before we then take it to ourselves and how we apply it to our lives. Um, and so without that step, uh, it, it is hard to read. Mm-hmm. And, and it is an ancient document. Uh, the New Testament's 2,000 years removed from us, and the Old Testament is... Uh, you know, 2,400 to 3,500 years removed from us. And so when you're dealing with a text like that, it's hard if you don't know the context that it was originally given in. Well, and I think, like, I think my Uber driver, he wasn't necessarily wrong. You know, it's it's people that use the same exact text, you know, people that are reading mm-hmm. the same words that can come to completely different conclusions on the same topic using the same Bible. You know, it's the same mm-hmm. scripture. And so I can see how easy it would feel it would be to just feel defeated, you know, like, how could I ever figure this out if people are using the same Bible and come to completely different conclusions and they're different. So one has to be right and one has to be wrong. They can't both be right, but how do I know which one is right? And so mm. of course it can be confusing and um, can feel overwhelming. But so, I mean, one of the things that we love to talk about in our class is it's not your interpretation, it's not my interpretation, but what was the original author trying to say to the original audience? So not my interpretation of what the author was saying, but what was the original author trying to say to the original audience? That's how we can get the closest to what what the text is actually meaning. Yeah. I think that that is a new concept for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. That there is an intent there that there that yes. there was this yeah. original intent by the original author to an audience. Yeah. Yeah, and one, and one of the simple ways that we say a lot around here um, that really helps clarify that and it always has to be at the forefront of our minds when we're reading the Bible is that that God's word is for us, mm-hmm. uh, but it's never directly to us. Mm-hmm. And so the truth that God communicates to us is uh, mediated through that historical setting in that historical context and, and, and the historical situation within God's big story. And so it always has to work that way, or we can end up making it say almost anything we want it to. Right. Okay. So you guys are already talking a lot about um, many of the concept, concepts you discuss and how to say the Bible okay. and so, sort of some of um, 
the trepidations people have and the obstacles that they have when it comes to reading the Bible. And I think that, and I think you guys probably agree, Revelation hmm. is sort of encapsulates so much oh, yeah. of all of that. For sure. So out of all the books in the Bible, it's exciting. People want to just open it. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different interpretations. How do you wish, know which one is right? It's intimidating. You know, there's uh, lots of different genres and stuff. So mm-hmm. how do we even start to approach reading a book like Revelation? Where do you start? Yeah, well, and I mean, like you said, I think there are like some exciting symbols in the book, right? Like it's a book with so many symbols, so much, so much imagery in it. Um, I mean, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mm-hmm. the beast, the antichrist, the mark of the beast, you know? And so I think it can kind of draw in this intrigue of like, who's the antichrist? What's the mark of the beast, mm-hmm. you know? And feeling like it's this code that I can crack. Um, but then again, I think it also leaves you feeling so defeated, like these strange symbols that I have no idea what they mean. Like, how can I read that? Like, how could I ever understand all these symbols and then all these different interpretations of it, you know, like they think it's this and they have maps that predict, you know, the day that the world is going to end and then it doesn't happen. So maybe it's so many maps and there's there's a lot of maps and a lot of dates and revised dates. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, I mean, I, I see the intrigue, but I also see how easy it is to feel defeated and just say like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't, it's too hard. I don't know what it means. You know, I'm just going to check that one off my list and it's all going to end well. So I'll figure it out later. Um, but so that's why, you know, we say there is there is a way to study this, that it's fruitful. And, and John even says when he starts it, he says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God made or God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending its angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And so, I mean, John starts off this letter by saying, like, there's blessing for those who look into mm-hmm. this. There is treasure in here if you will dig in and find it. But we are blessed if we if we hear and if we study and if we listen to this. And so, I don't think we should be so quick to write it off and say, it's too mysterious, it's too unknown, it's too hard. Like, there are blessings if we can read this. But I think it's, it is intimidating. And so... Mm-hmm. One of the things that we talk about, well, kind of the the big structure of our class is we try to offer a method for studying the Bible. And not that, again, I feel like even the word method can kind of be like intimidating. Like why there's a word well, very spiritual or, at all. Yeah, or right. personal. Like, let it me tell you the method. Yeah, the method yeah. for studying sounds the like Bible. science. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, but I mean, we use methods for lots of other things yeah. in life, right? Like following a recipe, there's a method. Or even if you're trying to improve your golf swing, you know, you do certain steps in a certain That's order a for a do. certain result, you know? And so it we doesn't use, always work, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we use methods in all areas of life, you know, so it doesn't need to be intimidating to think about having a method for studying the Bible. So um, the three steps that we try to outline are observation, interpretation, and application. Um, and it's important to go in that order, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so the first step that we, we start with is observation. So um, we say observation is like a detective. So you're just walking into a room mm-hmm. and you're not assuming like, he's the murderer, mm-hmm. you know, like you're just, you're observing. Like, Unless what are, it's the beast. And was, then we, yeah. <laughs> and then we just know. Then it's yeah, clear. Yeah, we've right. cracked yeah. the code. Uh, no, but uh, 
so you're observing, like, what do I see? Like, what are the details that are here? So you're not trying to interpret anything. You're not trying to draw mm -hmm. conclusions yet. You're just gathering evidence. You're gathering all the details. So what do I see? What are the words that are used? Um, what, what verb tense? I mean, what's the vocabulary? Um, who are the people? Who, what, when, where, why, how? You know, so just gathering the details, right? right? Um, and well, then let, this, me, let me just ask you okay. a question right there, just because I think even just that step, and I do want you to go through all of it, um, but you were talking about how intimidating this is, and you, you read, you know, those first few verses in Revelation, but and talked about how like most people are scared of this, but Revelation mm -hmm. actually means unveiling. Mm -hmm. And so I think that even like that is the most basic type of observation, mm. what yeah, this good. book is actually calling itself. Mm. So it's not supposed to be for us something that is, that we cannot understand, right. that is some right. code that only a few people have access to. This is God unveiling truths right. that are going to bless us, just like you said. Right. I mean, that's a basic observation, but it's really important just as you even start this book. Yeah, for you know? sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so then the next step that we go into is interpretation. Um, but so again, I mean, observation is, it's as simple as it can be. So, I mean, even if you're looking at the first few verses of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you're like, okay, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Okay. So this is, this is the revelation. So we're getting to see Jesus Christ. This is from God. It's given to his servants for a purpose, right? So we're, we're not trying to interpret anything. We're just taking the details and making sure we are very clear on what is in the text. Yeah. Um, and then, only then, we take that next step to interpret. So like we have the data, we have, we've done the hard work to kind of get into the details. So now what do we do with the data, right? It's like you're the scientist. Like, what do we do with this? And that's where you kind of take that next step of like, what does this mean? We talk a lot about context. Do you want to? Yeah, it's all about context. And yeah. so. Context I, I, is everything. It is. And yeah, and Jenna said uh, uh, at the beginning too. Yeah, it is. And I think so um, we, we break down the, the context section into uh, the historical context. Um, the uh, literary context, which is the genre, the form that that particular book uses. Uh, of course, Revelation makes it a little bit more difficult on us because it's uh, composed of multiple genres. Uh, we, we heard it already, uh, Jenna mentioned verse three, it says this is a book of prophecy, but it's also a letter. Uh, and then the, the style of prophecy is mm -hmm. apocalyptic. So all those things go into understanding how that uh, how we interpret the book. And, and then lastly, grammatical context, uh, the actual the words and how they, they fit together. So that sounds like a lot. Again, it, it sounds like we're making it harder. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we, we, we shorten the grammatical. We will not talk about grammar today. She does a great job with that. Yeah. But so within, within that interpretation, right, so we're making observations and whether this is, you know, you consider this part of observation or uh, the work you do before interpretation, there really are two things that you have to do. And, 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 it's true of any book of the Bible and, and especially true of Revelation because apocalyptic genre is, is such a foreign uh, mm -hmm. genre to mm -hmm. us that it seems more confusing. So, if you don't take these steps beforehand, you can just be off and running in the wrong direction. And so, uh, the first thing is we, we're calling it uh, the historical context, but you might call it the redemptive story context. Mm -hmm. where, where are we in God's story mm -hmm. uh, that begins in Genesis 1 and 
culminates in Revelation 22. Uh, so you have to know, you have to first off know that story mm-hmm. um, and then f- know where you are in that story. So um, I'm going to stop you just for a second, yeah. just because this is this so much and it's super helpful. Yeah. So you started with observation and you gave us all these examples of that. And, and then you move to interpretation, which is usually where most people just dive into. Yeah. They open up their Bible and they just start to interpret. Yeah. But even, and you're talking about interpretation now, which is the second step. And, but even within interpretation, people usually skip context. Oh yeah, and they just start deciding the meaning of the verses without. Yeah. So even within interpretation, usually we are even skipping steps. Yeah, and so going back to the the method and why method is so important, and it's not just dry and boring and cold, is because we are our the way our minds work. We are always reading and interpreting at, at the same time, and so if we don't process what we're actually reading and we just assume that we know, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless you are really, really sure that you don't know what that word means or that concept is, what that means in the text, you are assuming you know what it yeah, means. Yeah, for sure. And I so know just, what a dragon is. Yeah, exactly. And so, I know what a plague is. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so that's happening. Uh, and if we don't take the time to, to process that correctly, you're just you know make assumptions and then build on those assumptions and that, that may not be the right move. Okay. So, um, yeah, so, but the story really is, is key. And mm-hmm. so if I could just tell that big story, because that's actually where Revelation fits in. I think that's one of the most helpful things that I've discovered, you know, in my, you know, my journey in the last uh, decade or so is that Revelation is uh, the culmination of the story of God's creation, where he created human beings uh, to participate in his way of being. To, as Genesis one says, to to image him, male and female, uh, and to dwell on the earth. And then God's world was good; it was very good. And so the whole problem that we have in Scripture is the, is the presence of evil in God's good creation, and all of the working uh, out of that problem from Genesis three all the way to Revelation twenty two is God's work to remove evil from His good world, um, and and then to provide pr- protection and healing, which is salvation uh, for for the human creatures. Uh, that's who we are. Um, and so one verse that stands out in Revelation uh, that helps us see that is uh, Revelation eleven fifteen. It says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so having that story right, that, mm-hmm. that this is a good world, but it's unfortunately marred by the presence of evil and therefore suffering and pain and death and all of those things um, that God isn't scrapping this world. He's healing and restoring and taking away evil so that we can dwell with him and each other forever. And so this world is becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ forever and ever. Which is, this is like you said, this is part of your journey for the past decade or so. And I think for a lot of us, um, we we want to interpret the Bible, you know, with a, you know, centered in Christ. So we want mm-hmm. to view all of scripture because Christ tells us to with him at the center. You know, everything's leading up to him. Jesus is the climax and the answer to all the promises. Um, but I do think what happens so often is that we think that that the gospel's or at least, you know, the epistles to the churches, you know, how does it, what does the church look like? That's where it ends. And so mm. it's like, we're missing mm. this last part of the story mm. that you're talking about so often. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting because Revelation, and, and I've learned this recently, that um, there are over 500 allusions to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is so profound because people's conception of Revelation typically, because mm-hmm. of the, maybe a popular conception of what Revelation is, is that, it, like you said, we have the, the Gospels and, and the Incarnation where God came and dwelled among us in Jesus and then the writings to the churches. But there's just like this bizarre ending mm-hmm. with like this secret code about like what's going to happen in the future mm-hmm. as if it, it isn't yeah. connected. And it's actually not even... All Revelation is, is the culmination of that story that I mentioned given to us in the form of symbols and imagery, which is that apocalyptic genre. So it seems bizarre to us, but because John actually alludes to the Old Testament more than twice as much as Paul does in his 13 letters in the New Testament, it is so rooted in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. that this kind of ancient heresy that that there's an Old Testament God who's angry and... uh, judgmental and, and, and wrathful it is uh, different from the God of the New Testament, mm-hmm. it, it, it's impossible. That's not how it works because John is basing 400 and f- out of his 404 verses in, in Revelation, over 275 of them reference the Old Testament. So it is entirely based in the Old Testament, which is where we get the images mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, but also the meaning uh, of the book. Well, not when I like first learned that when I first had someone talk to me about that, like the way to understand these symbols, like John was just continuing, like you said, continuing the story that started mm. in Genesis one, you know, and that's where we can kind of what do these symbols mean? Like just just read the Bible, look at the Old Testament. That was so like freeing to me, you know, that it was like, oh, it's not as mysterious as it feels, you know, all these it's weird good. images, these weird symbols. It's mm-hmm. not as mysterious as it feels. Like it's it's in context of the whole story. I mean, mm-hmm. even like the dragon that we've been talking about, like the dragon, um, it's that ancient serpent, right? The mm. deceiver, the devil that started in Genesis the three. Of old. And mm-hmm. what did what did the sa- what did the deceiver do in Genesis three? He deceived Eve, right? He was intentionally trying to lie to her to make her believe something that wasn't true about God, about herself, about the world, right? He was deceiving her intentionally, lying to her. And that started in Genesis 3, and it's been going on this whole time. And that's who the dragon is, right? The dragon Mm. is the deceiver, the one who's trying to make us believe something that's not true. Mm -hmm. And so just carrying that storyline, starting in Genesis 3, it's been carried, that storyline has been carried on throughout the whole Bible. And so that image of the dragon, it's almost like we should have all of those other images, right? That the Bible's already been talking about. It's kind of like if you go to Wikipedia and you hover over a word and then you can click on it, it's a hyperlink to all these other images, right? That's what John is almost expecting us to be able to do, Mm -hmm. right? Even, I mean, when he calls Jesus the lamb, like Jesus is known as the Lamb of God, and that is a loaded term, mm-hmm. right? That is a loaded term that that was built all the way from you know the the animal sacrifices, the the innocent Lamb that died in the place for the sins of the people, right? Like that is a loaded term that was used all throughout the Old Testament to help us to understand that our sin is costly, but but God gives us a way, right? Mm-hmm. He gives us a way to be made right with Him, and then when John um, the Baptist sees Jesus and he says behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then we know the lamb that was slain. And this is how forever Jesus is known and worshiped as in the book of Revelation. So when we see the word lamb, it's not, it's not like, oh, a little like 
weak little thing, you know, like (laughs) why would Jesus want to be known as a lamb? He wants to be known as a lamb because of all of the history that we have. Like that is, John expects us, like, I want you to know what the Mm -hmm. lamb means, that it symbols the costly sacrifice that Jesus made to take the consequences of your sin. And he willingly died in your place. So it's not lamb, it's everything else that that means. And that's a Jewish understanding of the lamb, right? right? And so all of these, and that's what we're saying about the Old Testament, mm-hmm. but, it, but Jesus is, uh, if, we, if we forget that the story of salvation, God chose it to go through the people of Israel, um, it, we'll, we'll miss, like you said, we'll miss all of that, of this. the meaning, because um, that's how God promised that he would do it, that, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. Abraham is the father mm-hmm. of Israel. And so Israel is the one that carries salvation and it comes through the faithful Israelite, Jesus. So y'all are talking about the story right now with an interpretation, which, you know, I think you say in the class and I tell people all the time, I think if you don't have a good grasp of the entire biblical story, you're just sort of bound to... Um, have some misinterpretations. Mm-hmm. It's so important to understand that overarching story um, or else you just get lost. Mm-hmm. It, it is. And actually just one more point on that yeah. is that really like the ending, we do use Revelation 21 a lot that there is a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse three, uh, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. That really shouldn't be a surprise Mm -hmm. if we know what's going on Mm -hmm. in Genesis 1, that there was a good world. Again, Genesis 131. It's very very good. Right. And it can be surprising because we just think it's just this big book full of words and data. But until we can connect the dots and keep the story always in the forefront of our mind before we begin interpreting various parts of of, uh, any book of the Mm -hmm. Bible, um, we could easily lose our way. Yeah. Right. So, because you guys have already talked about this a little bit, so I just want to sort of have that conversation. So we have this biblical story and interpretation, and then you've you've already mentioned genres. You've yeah. mentioned the apocalyptic genre, and there's some prophecy, and you said, you know, what who is writing to whom? You know, yeah. it wasn't written to us; it was written for us. So walk me through the genres and why that matters as far as interpreting the symbols mm-hmm. and the context and all those things. Yeah. So the first thing we said that if you, the, the first thing you have to know is, is the biblical story. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing you have to know before you read any book of the Bible is, is the genre. And the reason is because each genre has its own conventions, structures, and styles. And that determines how uh, that message is communicated. And so if you assume that, that it's all just words on a page that you read, you'll miss the tone, you'll miss uh, the, the literary devices that the author is using to communicate that truth. So it is mediated through a particular genre. So, and like uh, that is, seems, I think that seems frustrating to some people. Yes. Because they think, oh, this is God's word to me, which yeah. I've already said is I should be able to just read it. You guys are making it complicated. But this is true in all of life, yeah. right. right? We can give a hundred examples of of genres just in our practical daily life. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you read a recipe book as right. if you're reading, um, you know, a novel, right. that's going to be confusing. Yeah. Or even like if you're reading a newspaper article, like when I'm, so, I mean, kind of like what you said, Rachel, like we already do this, like we already do this. We already naturally do this 
but sometimes we forget when we're yes. going to the Bible, mm-hmm. like we're reading, it's more of a, it's a more of a library of books, right? Mm-hmm. We have it all bound together so nicely in one like pretty little book, you know, and, it's and a that story. It's, it's all together and it's a story and, and yet, so it should all flow together. And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. here's um, Chronicles and here's Ezekiel right together. You know, it's all <laughs> one big story. Um, but we really need to view it as more of a library mm-hmm. of books, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, if I read a newspaper article, I have certain expectations of that, right? Like, I, I expect it to be factual, probably chronological, um, but factually accurate, right? That's my expectation for that genre. But if I'm reading a novel, like you said, um, and I'm reading it and then it goes back in time, or, you know, there's an unexpected ending, you know, I'm not going to read that novel and say, well, that novel's wrong and it contradicts itself, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Because that's not what the novel, a novel's not trying to do that. But if a newspaper article did that, I might be like, "Mm, that's kind of weird, you know, but so we, and like you said, even a recipe book, you can have a recipe book and have two recipes for, uh, buttermilk pie and they're different, different measurements, different, maybe a little different ingredients, a little bit more sugar here, you know, and like, it's the same recipe, but it's different. But I wouldn't say that recipe book, it's has contradictions. It can't be true. It's false, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, it's a recipe book. And of course, like your grandma makes it different than my grandma. And like, that's okay. It doesn't mean they contradict each other. And so I think it can remove a lot of those, those questions, questions yeah. the yeah. doubts, frustrations. The yes, and, and and that happened to me. Like I mm-hmm. brought my expectations of what the Bible, what I thought the Bible was, what I thought it was supposed to be, what I expected it to be, what my expectations mm. were. And so then when the Bible didn't meet up to my expectations, it made me doubt the Bible and think like, what if it's what if it's not true? What if what if it is all what if this is all a game? Yeah. What if it what if none of it's true? And so it caused me to bring my my own assumptions made me doubt the Bible when the Bible is like, well, I wasn't even, that's not what I was trying to that's be. Not yeah. trying, that's not what so I was So knowing yeah. how genres played a role was a healing huge. part for you and your understanding. Yeah. 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 For so sure. that, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it does feel like that. It's like, oh, you're, you're making this harder than it should be. Right. No, yeah. we're making it so much easier function. And, and so much better. One clarity, of the things, so beautiful. One of the things we like to talk about in class too, is that if you don't understand that there's actually a movement through the people of Israel in the old Testament, People, you know, outside the church accuse uh, the Bible of having contradictions and stuff. But if we don't understand that there is a movement, uh, mm-hmm. that things are fulfilled, and yeah. that God is at work and moving through, that there are places where the Bible says something in the Old Testament that are no longer mm-hmm. uh, upheld in the same way in the New Testament. And so it does look like there's a contradiction. But but again, all that is has to do with story and mm-hmm. genre. And so yeah, it it it. it and solves I, a lot of issues that well, I yeah. think people think there are. Thing right. with, with all of this too is um, not just that we're not trying to make it more complicated, we're trying to simplify it yeah. yes. and, and give clarity, but also yes. the Bible itself, you know, this, this word from God, it tells you there are markers, right? Yeah. It's not mm. trying to hide the genres either. Right. I think, you know, once you sort of learn what the genres are, which is what you do in your class, right? Um, then you can start to understand that. But the people who were reading this in their time, they knew right. because there are these markers. These exactly. are, it said recipe book, right? it yeah. said novel. It's just that we have to remove ourselves from our historical context in order right. to understand that. Yeah. But it's not as mysterious right. as we sometimes think it is. Yeah. Well, no, that's great. The example that I like to use in our class that I like use now is like right now, if I were to say to you guys, like, hey, let's jump on a Zoom call. Like mm-hmm. everyone in this room would be on the same page. Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I wouldn't need to say, 
So a Zoom call is you log on to your computer and all these different pa- f- people pop up. You know, I wouldn't have to like explain it to you. It wouldn't require explanation because we have a shared cultural knowledge yep. of what a Zoom call is, mm-hmm. right? But if you would have even asked us two, three years ago, I bet right. nobody, we could all come up with our own interpretations, right? Like maybe a Zoom call is like, let's talk really fast. Let's yeah, get it done really yeah, fast. For sure. Or like, let's like, that would be my guess. It. Yeah. yeah. Or, you, know, speed. you could all yeah. come up with your own interpretations. Like, well, I think Jenna is saying we should do it this way. There could be 10 people with 10 interpretations, but that's not what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the best way that's to good. get back to mm-hmm. what the original author was saying to the original audience is the best way to get the most accurate interpretation. Right. Not that's what right. I assume mm-hmm. it is, yeah. but what is what was I trying to say to you? Because like you said, they're trying to communicate for a reason, right? It's not it's not designed to be mysterious. Like John is writing mm-hmm. this because he wants people to know. Right. Like he wants them to know. He wants he's to not, bless them. He wants he's them not to trying know to that. hide yeah. it from right. them so that like only the certain elite that are really smart like can mm-hmm. understand Jesus. Like he wants everyone to know the truth of Jesus, you mm-hmm. know? And so for us... We're, we're removed from it. It's a different culture, a different language. We're removed from it geographically. You know, like there's so many barriers for us that um, it still is for us and God has a message that He wants for us. It just might take a little more time for us to dig through and understand these things. Um, but it's worth the time. It's worth the effort. It's worth the extra work because like we want to know. We want to know mm-hmm. what Jesus is saying here. So we do want to know, and we yeah. want everyone in our church, because we're going through Revelation. Yep. We started a week ago, yeah. right? And so it is exciting. And this is one of those books we've already said that it sort of has all of these frustrations mm-hmm. and it's the culmination of the story. So it's also so exciting right. and important. So we want to be able to study it alongside of these really good sermons that we're going to hear about it. Um, so I want you guys to sort of walk me through some of the things that you've talked about, the historical context and the cultural context and the, the different genres and just give us sort of some basics. I mean, you can't say everything. Yeah. Y'all's class is a five-week class. When did y'all's class start? Did we already say that? Uh, Monday, January 24th. January 24th. Yeah. So I do recommend, I'll just say that now. Yes, um, if a, you can go, awesome. it's as a, five a weeks. Teacher. As a former As a former teacher. <laughs> That's right. As a backup teacher now. <laughs> <laughs> if you can go, if you're interested, I think this is a great time to invest in the, the five weeks just to get a good idea. They do a, we all do a great job together. Um, and so just want to encourage everyone to do that. You just sign up on our website, clearcreek.org, um, and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just give us a glimpse of, you know, what it looks like to start studying Revelation. Yeah. So the three genres, again, I mentioned that um, one of the things that's more complicated about Revelation is that there are multiple genres. And so you have to kind of be aware of that. Um, it is, I mean, I'm not even sure if you'd want to say it's first a book of prophecy or first a letter, because in verse 11, mm-hmm. verse three, uh, John says that he's going to write this this prophecy. So it is certainly that. But in verse 11, he says, uh, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Um, and those churches were specific churches um, in uh, Asia mm-hmm. that uh, were in that historical context that were real churches with real people dealing with real issues um, that we have to understand that message through. Um, and so... Uh, Which Yancey talked about a little bit yeah. in his sermon 
Um, so this is, I just think that's, hel- that's helpful to, that's what, that's what he's doing. Yeah. Whenever he, has, he talks about the historical context mm-hmm. of revelation, you know, the suffering that these churches were going through, right. that's what he's doing is right. he's helping you to, Helps it come alive. to start at a place where you have the historical context of what this letter is supposed to, you have to start there. Yeah. 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 And, and so I, I mentioned that about the letter, I mean, it's people see it as prophecy and, mm-hmm. and apocalyptic writing, and it is that. Um, but chapters uh, two and three are to these churches and that he's addressing, and, and he writes just like Paul says, you know, this, he says, this is John, you know, grace and peace to you, like we would see Paul addressing the Colossians or the Romans or uh, the Ephesians. And so, it, it takes that form, but the entire document, the, the 22 chapters, was circulated together, um, and so it isn't just like this bizarre vision mm-hmm. that's its own thing. It, it is, it's the vision that John received and the letters, and that went to the churches. Mm-hmm. So it, Which is important for lots of reasons. I mean, you, you mentioned that there's a few genres in Revelation, which I think maybe, maybe people will be surprised to hear. There's, in most books in the Bible, mm-hmm. there's yeah. more than one genre within right. each book. There's usually a primary genre, That's right. which this is the Revelation's apocalyptic, but there are a few genres usually. Yeah. And understanding this is a letter, though, you know, we talked about and context is so important, but also... We don't have time to talk about the grammatical mm-hmm. and, you know, the place in Revelation you are. But like you're saying, this was circulated as a letter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which the letters were pastoral, mm-hmm. right? They, they're not um, theological treatises. They, they, the, the writers of the letters in the New Testament, uh, Paul and James and John, um, were writing to address things in the churches. Mm-hmm. And so they're addressing them theologically to give the truth for the practical benefit of these people so they can live with God and each other uh, the way that God intends. And mm-hmm. so, so they're pastoral. And so that, again, when we stay high up at, at a high level with Revelation, that's, we see that. We see his desire for them to know that in the midst of their persecution, that God is going to work this out. Mm-hmm. And actually, it would be better for them to die. Mm-hmm. With faithfulness and allegiance mm-hmm. to Jesus than to, to compromise because mm-hmm. that the unveiling mm-hmm. is ultimately that, that God is victorious and yeah. to and to hang in there uh, in face of this the mm-hmm. persecution they're facing uh, uh, under the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Well, and so in the apo- apocalyptic genre, um, I mean, I think when we hear the word apocalypse, you know, or even when we think of Revelation, we think of like uh, Armageddon, you know, or even mm. like Nostradamus, like the end time predictions, <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. if we read this and put these numbers together, you know, and yeah. do this, like we can figure ben out Affleck all this. Going yes. to the asteroid. <laughs> Armageddon. Yeah. Oh, those are some of my husband's favorite movies. Are like the, the end of the oh, world. It's like, the end like, of the world. Mad. And yeah. I just, yeah. I can't get into it. But, <laughs> but I feel like that's like when we hear like apocalypse, you know, like yeah. that's, that's our loaded perception. So again, mm, not good. bringing our preconceived notions or ideas into revolution, right? Apocalypse. It just, it's more, um, an unveiling, mm-hmm. right? An uncovering. Yeah. It's an unmasking. It's not a secret code book to yeah. determine how the world ends, right? It's more of an unveiling. Um, and and so these symbolic visions are given to to give us a heavenly perspective mm-hmm. on our earthly circumstances. And yeah. so, but that is, it's my favorite way to think of Revelation, to think of apocalypse is, is the unveiling, the pulling back of the curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like an illustration I heard that was helpful was, um, 
um, like if you have blinds and they're kind of tilted up like this and it just kind of clouds your view of being able to see outside. And then you just turn that little knob and it straightens them out, you know, and then you're able to get a clear view mm. of what is outside. Like that's apocalypse, right? A clearer view of the true reality mm -hmm. of things. And so um, if you think about, like Yancy talked about, like the, the intense persecution mm -hmm. that Christians were facing at that time. So, so where we kind of land in the story is we go through... Um, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his ascension, and then the, the period in Acts, and we get to see the spread of the church. And uh, we get to see how it is spreading so powerfully, so mightily, but they start to face very intense persecution. So the story of Acts ends, and we don't get to see the full picture of this in the Bible, but we know from church history mm -hmm. that Christians— from the historical context. Right. <laughs> this is the yeah. historical context, right, mm -hmm. that, that they experience intense persecution. And so the culture that um, these Christians are living in is with um, Rome just dominating, right? So Rome had a reign for nearly a thousand years, which is, I mean, think of where 2021, think of a thousand years ago, you know, mm -hmm. like it, Rome had the appearance of this unstoppable conquering machine that would grind anyone and anything that got in its way, mm -hmm. right? Just destroying anyone that tried to stop it. And so Christianity um, coming up with this new religion. And again, Rome was, it was a pluralistic society. They worshiped many gods, right? They would have no problem if Christianity was content to come along as, as another god, another religion. And you have another god we can appease, like, great, 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 let's make all the gods happy so we can get all the blessings. And and for them, worship was um, central in their society and that it was almost uh, patriotic, right? Because if we all work together, we all make the gods happy, then we're all going to get blessed. But if anyone messes up and makes the gods mad, then we're all cursed, right? Mm -hmm. So their worldview is that the gods, their worship of the gods was to appease the gods enough that mm -hmm. the gods will bless them. But if they aren't good enough, then the gods are waiting to crush them and punish them. Yeah. Right. So that was the Roman perspective on religion. So it was like, Oh, you have another God we can make happy. Sure. Let's make them happy. Let's, you yeah. know, like let's please all the gods so we can all get all the blessings. But with Christians saying like, Jesus is Lord, right? Caesar yeah. is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Yeah, and that's a, and the only way. That's a, that's a huge aspect of this too, is Caesar mm -hmm. is not Lord mm -hmm. because that was a huge, part of their persecution too right. was this expectation, this Caesar cult. Right. You have to worship Caesar. You say Caesar is Lord. And for us, we say Jesus is Lord and we don't even, mm. we don't have even the same cultural context right. with that phrase. Right. But for them, that meant Lord. Right. Yeah. Jesus is God. He's right. Lord over all and right. we serve and worship him. And to say that in that Roman times when there was this cult right. of the Caesar was asking for suffering and death. Right. I mean, that's, and that say, was their context. Yes, to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Just to say that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You mm -hmm. know, that was, it was, um, it was treason, right? It was betrayal yeah. mm -hmm. to all of the culture. And so in Rome's perspective, this is a religion to crush, right? These are people to crush mm -hmm. because they are betraying this Roman machine. And so that's the culture that these Christians were in. Like if you choose to follow Jesus, like you might not be able to feed your family, yeah. right? You might be taken away to the Roman Colosseum and fed to the lions to entertain the crowds, right? right. Like, are you going to choose the way of Jesus? Yeah. It will yeah. cost you everything. Is it still worth it to you? Yeah, John actually wrote this. Because of the credit, credit cards. They couldn't use their credit cards <laughs> right. in the in I think that's no. Revelation, the 13, yeah, something that, no, in there. It's, it's definitely yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. John wrote this 
in isolation on an island. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he wrote this from this place of persecution knowing right. it was going to get worse. Right. You know, so he was, like you're saying, pastoral in this context that was very, yeah. very scary. Yeah. When he says in one nine, he says, I'm your partner in the tribulation, mm. right? Like yeah. I'm your partner in this. Like, then he says, I'm on the island of Patmos, you know, like, like I get it. I get how hard this is. Right. I get the genuine struggle that you are facing. Mm-hmm. And so, so then like taking that context, right? The context that they are in, like in fa- like facing, you can either suffer, right? Like if you choose the way of Jesus, you are going to suffer or you can choose the way of compromise. And from the worldly mm-hmm. perspective, it'll be a lot easier, right? It'll be a lot more comfortable. Um, it's not going to be as hard from a worldly perspective. And so the apocalypse, the unveiling, the pulling mm-hmm. back of the curtain, it's the grace of God mm. to say, I see your suffering. I see what you're going through. I'm not absent in your suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm not indifferent to your suffering. I see what is going on and I care. And so I'm going to give you the grace to pull back the curtain and let you see the heavenly reality. Like I know that it looks like Rome is unstoppable and Rome is going to destroy you. But God says, let me pull back the curtain and show you. Like I am still king. Like there is, this is a story that is going somewhere. Your suffering is not on accident, right? Like everything that is going, I'm not indifferent to the pain that you're going through. I'm here, I see it, and I still have a plan. Yeah. Well, and I think like what is helpful about that is that, is that you're connecting this historical context with this apocalyptic genre, yeah. right? Yeah. So you, you right. have to consider both of those right. and how they connect with each other. Because like you said, the apocalyptic genre is this unveiling this heavenly perspective mm-hmm. and apocalyptic genre, it speaks to this moment mm-hmm. because it's occasional. So you think Rome is in charge, but I am in charge. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I see you and you're yeah. suffering and there is a purpose and an end to this, but it's also cosmic. Right. It's yeah. also, this is actually, right? now and always, and this is how it all ends. And yes. that's what apocalyptic mm. genre does, yes. which is why it's not to us, but it is for us, because this actually um, speaks to all people who are suffering because they're faithful servants of Christ. Yeah. But that's the beauty, That's and that's one of the differences between prophetic and apocalyptic genre is the, the apocalyptic genre is referencing the end of times, right? Mm. Not in a scary way, right. like right. we think about right. it, yeah. right. in a hopeful and right. purposeful way. Right. Um, whereas prophetic genre is usually, I'm speaking to you right now in this moment. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. Because yeah, pr- prophecy isn't primarily you know, foretelling the yeah. future. It's, it's often foretelling. And verse 19 in chapter one is really helpful for that, that you see both of those things are going to be present. Again, this is you know, how you read the Bible uh, as you're starting off the book of Re- Revelation. Uh, it says, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. So mm-hmm. there, there is yeah. that mm-hmm. present the and both. future, um, which again is how it is, like you said, meaningful to the church throughout all the ages. Yeah. Well, that's so, so like when we say the Bible's not written to us, but it's written for us, like John did not sit down and write this letter to Jenna Craft in. Texas 2021, right? Mm -hmm. Like John wasn't writing to Mm -hmm. me. Like he literally says who he's writing to, you know, like chapter two, he's literally writing to literal people in Ephesus that are experiencing real trouble, real, you know, real things. So it's not 
to me, but it is written for me, just right. like you said, that it's... Yeah, um, and you don't want to go too far in either direction. Right. It's, you yeah. don't want to say, oh, it's not it's, applicable yes. to me. That's it right. was just written. It's this historical book yeah. that we can yeah. read and know about the history. It is for us, right. but in order to get there... In order to understand how it's for us, you have to first understand, yes, you know who, who, and why historical context with eternal truth. Yeah, right. The truth is still. I want to just because we really this is a five week long class, and it could this is this is obviously we all think this is really fun, but I just want to sort of like remember everything we've said so far. So there's a methodology, which we have to have, not because this is cold, but because we want to understand this good gift of God revealing himself to us. Um, But you you started with observation, just what am I reading? What do I see? And then Mm. your next step is interpretation. And you're talking about, you begin with, where am I in the biblical story? And with revelation, this is the culmination, which Mm. is amazing and exciting. Yeah. Uh, and then genre and in revelation, you guys talked about letters, which are occasional is what we say sometimes. So yeah. they're written by someone to a specific audience in right. a specific circumstance, so the his, which includes this historical and cultural context. And um, then also these other genres, which are apocalyptic and prophetic and prophetic, this yeah. unveiling. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, do you want to say anything else about some of those things before we start to wrap up? I know. I think I think we both have a lot we can yeah, say. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sign up for the class. Yeah, yeah. come to the class. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> so there's a third step in how to study the Bible. And we always say we are not done with studying the Bible until uh, we do, till we go, till we're transformed <laughs> yeah. um, by what God reveals and what he calls us to and his spirit yeah. moving in us. And so um, I just want to end with you guys telling me when you study Revelation, because you both have, and you both still are, yeah. this is something, it's again, a journey, sure. it's a journey, you never, we never arrive, mm, which yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but how, how <clears throat> have you applied Revelation? How has it changed your perspective for who you are? Yeah, I think for, um, for me, um, the, the two places that jump out are, are the end. Uh, I read a minute ago in chapter 21 that, that, that God's going to dwell with his people. Um, and that that's always mm. been the goal. Mm. And so that means, and that's actually one of the beautiful uh, revelations of the New Testament and, and the outpouring of the Spirit is that God is now dwelling with his people through the Holy Spirit, uh, that he's with us. And so uh, when I don't feel like that's true, uh, it doesn't, that mm-hmm. my feelings don't change that and that God really is with me because... I've committed to follow Jesus and to walk with him. And um, so that, that offers incredible peace Mm -hmm. um, that offers um, hope ultimately, um, but it gives me purpose in life. um, And, and it's the good one true purpose. Um, But also when I read revelation uh, because of the way, uh, like we said, apocalyptic genre works and the, the cosmic uh, dualism, the battle of good and evil uh, it's, it's humbling. I mean, it is very clear really quickly how small I am. Uh, I am one person of billions of of creatures that God intends and desires to dwell with and love and be for, and I'm just one of them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm small and I'm just going to play my part. Uh, I'm going to love my wife, which which is you. (laughs) I love you. Uh, And I want to be a good father and I want to be a good citizen in this community and, and reflect God's character into it because... 
that's all I've been assigned. Which so. is, that's one of those two things together, you know, um, giving you perspective on, you know, the en- enormity of this biblical story mm-hmm. and our sort of who we are, like brief life, but also that there is purpose, yeah. that there is still this beautiful purpose that God allows us to participate yeah. in. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like, <clears throat> like we sitting in this room, like saying that we're followers of Christ, we are basing our lives off of a man that lived 2000 years ago, right? Like Christianity is not a Western religion. Like we worship, imitate a Middle Eastern man that lived 2000 years ago, right? But like I am giving my life because I believe this is true. Mm -hmm. So there's things that I do. There's things that I don't do. There's decisions that I make, but I am shaping my life because I believe that Jesus is true and this book teaches me about him. And I think Revelation shows us that Christianity is not a hobby. It's not a uh, cultural identity, right? Like how you might say that you're an Astros fan because you live in the sprawling Houston Metroplex and at the end of the summer, if they're doing good, you know, like (laughs) I'll get my Astros hat and jump on the bandwagon, right? Do people like Christians right now or not? (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm an Astros fan, like, because I live in Houston, right? right? I'm not a Christian because I live in America, right? That's not Christianity, right? Like Christianity that I feel like Revelation shows us is it is costly Mm -hmm. and it is free, Mm -hmm. right? It costs me everything, Mm but it is so free. God's grace is so free. And so we see in the book of Revelation, we see God's comfort to the oppressed, right? God saying, I see your struggles. I see your pain. I see what you're going through and I care Mm -hmm. and I'm there and I'm doing something, right? That is God's grace, but also God's grace to those who look at the pleasures of the world, right? The um, the comfort, the the lure of the luxury, the success, the worldly goods, you know, like all those things that look so good, they appear so good. It's like those flashing lights, like, pick me, pick me, pick me. It's also God's grace to pull back the curtain on that and say, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like those things, they're deceiving you. It's a lie. Like it is never Mm going to be able to deliver what it promises you. So it's God's grace to pull back the curtain and say, don't go that way. It's not worth it. Right? Like this is the way of life. Mm -hmm. Choose the way of life. And so revelation, it's it's the comfort for the oppressed. Mm -hmm. It is the um, call to repentance to those who are far from God. And so I just think for me, it's like, like, I want to be all in, right? And so, like Aaron said, it reminds us, like, how small we are and how big God is, but, like, mm-hmm. but He is a God that wants to be known, mm-hmm. right? He wrote this because He wants us to know Him. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm basing my life off of this. Like, I want to know Him, and not that— I feel like I got to a place in my life where, like, the questions were scary to me, right? Like, it was like, I don't, I don't understand this. So what if it's not true? You know, or mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. What if, what if this is all fake? What if I'm like mm-hmm. basing my life off of something that's not true? And it's, I only believe it because this is all I've ever known. But the questions aren't scary to me anymore. It's like, I just don't know it yet, right? But I want to. I want to know you, God. Mm-hmm. I want to understand you, God. And the fact that God is a God that wants us to know Him, right? Like yeah. He gave us His Word because He wants that intimacy yeah. with us. And so holding both highly that He is a God that is big and mm-hmm. holy and powerful and so much bigger than us, and yet He desires to be near to us, yeah. you know? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the beauty of... Um, 
learning how to study this book that seems scary. Yeah. But it's actually just it's worth beautiful. It. Yes. And it is worth it. And I just encourage everyone listening to um, um, to dive in with us, mm-hmm. to yeah. study and be comforted and be challenged. And, you know, one of my favorite things is how Revelation ends. Mm-hmm. You know, come, come Lord Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah. our hope. Yeah. And there's no better ending yeah. than that. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for being here. Y'all are, y'all are the best. And <laughs> I'm grateful best. for your wisdom and your time and for your friendship. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.